Open up your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10. We're going to read verses 5 through 17. And we're looking at the subject of truth and conviction. Truth and conviction. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What saith the Scriptures? Thus far, we don't see Paul contradicting Moses. And I want to make sure that we're clear on that, because um, if there's no contradiction here, there'll be no contradiction between what I preach this, after, this, this session and what we just heard in Sunday school. The Scripture lines up from beginning to end. So what saith it? What saith the Scriptures? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I know that we think, well, if it lines up from beginning to end, and this specifically mentions Jesus, well, certainly he wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament. Well, this is a direct quote Paul is giving us from, I believe it's Deuteronomy, but we'll get to it in a little bit. It doesn't, of course, mention Jesus by name, but it is the same exact truth. He's fulfilled this prophecy, fulfilled this need, much like Paul has fulfilled the remainder of that verse with the name Jesus Christ. And it goes on, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And this word just simply means herald. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we uh, seek to expound this text and deliver this message here this morning, Father, I pray that you would give us receptive hearts, clear our minds, give us understanding. Be with the sisters who are away from us, be with the O'Neills who are away from us, Father. We pray that you do a working and healing in their hearts as well, Father. Bring the O'Neill safely back to us. And Father, we pray that we'd be steadfast and immovable in our stance and in our deliberate study of your word. We ask, Father, your mercy and blessing upon us here today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The times we are now in are very troubling. Brother David mentioned this uh, in his Sunday school. We see rage, fear, and jealousy have made their way into the Lord's churches. He was talking mostly of the, of the Lord's people, the Israelites, and the world as a whole. 
But as he got to hear this weekend, and as many of you probably already known for a while, I know I've referenced it, our churches are not excluded from these things. And there's only ever been one solution for all time, for every scenario, for every personality, for every discussion, for every debate. Christ Jesus has always been and always will be the one solution to all of this turmoil. <coughs> Even what we heard about in Sunday school is not going to end until he comes back and puts an end to it. And he most assuredly will. Jesus came into the world as a light shining into a dark place. He exposed what men do, have, and always will do when they think no one else is watching. There's not a one in here who's not capable of doing some despicable deed when we're assured that no one else is watching. More and more we see that men no longer care who's watching. In fact, social media has now given us a platform by which we can make sure <coughs> folks are watching. We can be assured that our sin will find us out, but now we can be assured we'll have an audience for it. <coughs> recently, and, and I won't name names, recently some of our brethren have been stirred up over the antics of a few preachers on Facebook. And man, you could have delivered this message in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, we continue to find our brethren stirred up by the antics of a few other brethren on Facebook. I can make this a very short sermon. Go home and delete Facebook today, and you won't have to worry about it anymore. Now, I won't deal with whether or not they're like-minded preachers with us, or if you know them. It doesn't matter. It could be me. It could be any of us stirring up this trouble. We are all guilty of what has taken place, so I hope today that we'll at least see what the Scripture has to say about it, and that if we are indeed guilty or we recognize that we've been guilty, we'll repent and turn unto the Lord. This situation essentially was one man attempting to straighten out the masses publicly concerning the heathen holidays. His approach was blunt direct, and damaging. The results rippled through the congregations of our sister churches and compelled many other preachers to get involved to either try to deflect this man's comments or to straighten him out publicly. My question before you today is, is this what we're commanded to do? You know my stance on the heathen holidays. I want to be clear about that. It is not in disagreement with what Brother Thorne has already presented. But I spent, before we even get into the points, I spent 19, almost 20 years of my life as a Catholic, and they baptized at birth, so I can say 20 years, deeply entrenched in Xmas. I'm the one that hung my grandma's Christmas lights when she couldn't climb the ladder anymore. And I helped hang the garland, drive the nails into the walls in which she hung her wreaths, and I sang Christmas carols, and I did all those things. I'm not, however, with this sermon defending Christmas. Not defending the practice of Easter, or Lent, or Halloween, or anything else. But what I will tell you is if you have a loved one that you are hoping will be led out of those things, it's going to, just like with Lot, take the hand of God. They're not coming out willingly. 
And you're dealing with something that they are emotionally attached to. What is it that they usually say? All these memories, all these years, grandma's cookies, all our family gatherings. Am I supposed to toss all of that away? We know what Scripture saith, I hope. But we need to be reminded at times that it is the compassion of Christ, the mercy of God, that has saved any of us. The main reason I came out of such things was God. The things that led to it was my children. And 20 years earlier, a dear brother in Christ, Raul Bergman, who's now with the Lord, had a stroke last year, I think a year and a half ago. He sat down with me night after night after night, not strangling me, beloved, not choking me out with the words of a mean preacher, but compassionately explaining away what those things really are. Explaining to me what Saturnalia was. Explaining to me what Babylon was and its connection to the Roman Catholic Church. Believe it or not, the Catholics don't tell you that. It took a man who sat down knee to knee with me and eyeball to eyeball and actually talked to me like a man who would one day lead his home before I would listen. And it still took 20 years before I listened. Be patient. What does the scripture say? That's our first point. It ought to be the first point of every message that we preach. Our text says, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? Paul redirects the conversation, just like Jesus did from time to time. Think about John 3 with Nicodemus. He redirects the conversation here to that which is most pertinent. What saith the Scriptures? The Scriptures are the word of faith, which we preach. As Charlie said this morning, which we preach and preach and preach, because we need to hear it over and over and over again. Let's be very clear. You're getting a softer version of Pastor Joe than many others ever have. My wife could tell you that before this year, I was very hard on the heathen holidays. And intentionally sometimes and unintentionally sometimes beat other people up for what they were involved in. I don't have that heart anymore. And you don't, don't think me afterwards. That is the Lord. Because I despise the heathen holidays. In fact, I have notes on a book that I was writing that was the next day after the Christmas carol. What happens as the garland comes down, kind of like the Facebook post you mentioned earlier, when the garland comes down and the streets need cleaned and the kindness that was superficially manufactured by everyone is suddenly gone and it's back to life as normal. Would have probably been a good book, but the Lord so far hasn't allowed me to complete it. I still despise the heathen holidays for holding my parents and my brother's attention. I'm not to hate them for being drawn in. In fact, the scripture says I'm to pity them. I'm to offer up the gospel to them often, does it not? Matthew 18, 33, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant as I had pity on thee? Am I not to also be compassionate and patient with those that I hope the Lord will deliver from such things? Look again at our text. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now let's stop for a minute. Fleshly speaking, there were some pretty big differences between the Jew and the Greek. There's some pretty big differences between the Catholic and the Baptist. But whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall, you, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? I cannot withhold the gospel. And if I do withhold the gospel, it's hidden from those that most desperately need it. But I cannot withhold the gospel from those that practice Christmas and say that Jesus is in it because I'm mad about them having that in it. And I also cannot present a shadow upon the gospel of truth and say, boy, this could all be yours if you would just believe on Him and then straighten your life out. Because I didn't straighten my life out. Jesus did. Beloved, I've done nothing right. Not a thing. Secondly, who is it that we are to follow? Of the subject matter at hand, beloved, you need to know I did not come free from the, holy, the, the unholy days, these heathen quote-unquote holidays, when I was first saved at 15. I spent, and this will, this will appall some if I put this on Facebook, I spent six more years practicing that heathen unholy, unholy day. Can you believe it? The Lord didn't smite me dead. He allowed me to continue to do some of the things that I was doing before my salvation. I also didn't flee from it after I first heard about it. First heard about it from Raul Bergman, probably 2000, 2001. And I believe Livy was born before we finally walked away. I also was not ripped from its grip by loud and angry people who claiming to want the best for me publicly humiliated me and examined me until I was so sore I could not take it anymore and renounced all of it. That's not what did it either. No. Do you remember what the word examine means in the Bible? When Pilate did it to our Savior, it was also referred to as a scourging. Jesus was beat with a whip or a lash, which was a short wooden handle, had several 18 to 24 inch long leather straps protruding from it. And many believe that it was what they call a cat of nine's tails, or cat of nine tails. It would have been uh, little lead balls at the end of these leather straps, or bone, chipped bone, so that when it lashed against the Lord's back, it tore the flesh open so that they could see the sinews, the muscles, the very threads that held him together physically open up. Are we to examine one another like this? Am I to take the cat of nine tails to your life and rip it asunder and say, well, Brother Thorne, you can't be saved because this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. I don't even want to give you examples because our people get so riled up about it that if I dare mention divorce and remarriage or head covering or grape juice, they'll come to pieces. Is that how we are to examine the next one that comes in and says, I want to join the church? Are we to examine them that way? Remove your shirt and bow before us. We are perfect, and we're going to tear you apart to make sure that you are too. No one would say yes. No one would say that that is the commandment of the Lord. But Pilate did it to Christ. And why did Pilate do it to Christ? Because the Jews wanted him dead. He was trying to pacify the Jews. We'll get to a lot of this in our study as we keep going on Sunday afternoons, but he was trying to pacify them. He didn't want this man's blood on his hands. He was trying to pacify them by fully examining Christ Jesus. 
which involved a deep scourging. Are we required to examine new believers in such a way? Jesus took this examination for my sake. He went through all of that for me. As I lived openly, worshiping, quote unquote, which isn't true because you can only worship in spirit and in truth, but believing myself to worship through the practice of Christmas and Easter and Lent, but he went through that public scourging and that examination and that shame for me. I cannot be saved until I recognize my own weaknesses, my own wickedness, my own need of him. Again, he was a light shown into dark places. We should not be setting up barriers for new believers. We certainly should not be taking to social media to attack others and await the applause of other like-minded bullies. Jesus did not do that. And he's the one that we are to follow. Think of the opportunities he would have had. We can't sit here and say, well, there was no social media, so preacher. And something like Nicodemus would have said, I can't return it to my own mother's womb. That's ridiculous. But he did have a woman caught in the middle of the act of adultery, brought into the middle of his teaching and plopped there in front of him. He could have easily humiliated her in front of those that brought her in. But what did he do? You who are perfect, cast the first stone. You who are sinless, guiltless. You who, if we were to scourge or examine you, would find nothing shameful at all as your flesh was ripped open. You judge this woman. And truth and conviction drove those men out of the room, didn't it? Third and lastly, how are we to follow what the Scripture saith? Studying the Lord's ministry, we can see that He took great care in explaining what a follower, what a disciple truly is, truly was, truly is. It hasn't changed. He hasn't come back and given us an addendum. It's the same. So I want you to imagine that you're in the community later today. You're inviting other people to church. You come to a house that still has their 1225 lights up. And you say to them, hey, you better get right with God. You say it just like that. And they say, friend, I'm saved. How are you, by the way? And you respond with a snort. Well, my preacher says that Xmas is of the devil, and any who practice it will burn in hell. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves, neighbor. And then you tell them, come on down to Grace Missionary Baptist Church where my preacher will straighten you out. You think they're coming? No, I doubt very much that any of us would knowingly do that. However, we live in 2023. Many of us have done this very thing, liking posts like this, sharing posts like this, and maybe even going as far as to comment in affirmation of posts like this. Recently, a co-worker that I have been witnessing to for years contacted me. They'd been interested in attending a local New Testament church that believes like we do. 
And like people do in 2023, they went online to do their standard social media research as to what kind of people we are. Guess what they found? They're no longer interested in churches that believe like we do. How's that hit you? Did it bother you at all? See, it's not error for us to preach against the holidays. But when the Lord told us to preach against the holidays, he said to preach the truth, every jot and tittle. And when John and James said, there's one over there that preaches in your name, but he's not approved. He's not one of us. Did Jesus say, go get him. Let's examine him. Let's scourge him. No. He said, leave him be. You got work to do. You got enough to do. This is only one who was bold enough to tell me, and they were nice about it, but they said they wouldn't have anything to do with church like ours. And it wasn't even something any of us posted. It was the same post that you heard about in Florida, that I heard about in Florida from every preacher that we ran into. The devil's winning at games like this, and we're letting him. You don't preach against Christmas. Go get the encyclopedia out. The very first message I ever preached against that heathen holiday came out of the 1978 Encyclopedia Britannica. And I just listed facts. Didn't have to be mean. I was probably mean. Didn't have to be mean. The facts are right there. Babylon's never had to hide anything. They've been right out in the open with it. They're one of the only uh, epochs that has never been conquered. They just simply got real quiet. It's evidenced by the scripture we heard in Sunday school. They're still around. They're coming back. Give the truth to the world. Give your truth to the neighbor who still has their 1225 lights up. And then ask them, who else is Babylon? If it's not the Roman Catholic Church, who else could it be? That was some of the challenging questions I was given. Who else could it be? Where else is this coming from? Who has that golden cup? So what are we supposed to do about all this? We see our scripture says, and it is Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30, verses 10 through 14, that we are to make the truth plain. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, Moses speaking, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it or do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. It wasn't some strange Egyptian uh, Lord that is ministering to Jacob's family, is it? Is nigh unto them. It's Joseph, their own brother. Consider what Jude wrote in verses 17 through 23. Only one chapter. Jude, verse 17 through 23. Beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last times, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, 
But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto everlasting er, and eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. This is the story of Brother Raoul Bergman ministering unto me. Who was I? Was I a potential high-tithing church member for that little mission, Grace Missionary Baptist Church in Toledo, Ohio? Absolutely not. I was a college kid. I was probably sooner going to hold my hand out than have anything in it. And yet, Raul had to drive 40 minutes home. He lived in Wauseon. And he'd stay as long as I had questions. And he'd talk. And I'd listen. Of some have compassion making a difference. Our brethren are asking one another, what do you think of this approach that this one brother did on Facebook? Brother David was there when I gave my answer. Is Facebook the church? If you're listening to this message right now through Facebook, this is an outlet in which we are getting the truth out. It's not church. It's not church. If you're watching the DVD and you're sitting in Holden or Caldwell, this is not church. It is the truth. It is the Word of God. But you need to get your man. You need to do church like Jesus said to do church. You need to get off the couch, Facebookers, and go find the truth. And if you are listening to this and you've been turned away from a New Testament true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may never have heard this before, but we're not perfect. We're sinners saved by grace. We're striving, we're struggling, we're trying to figure things out too. But we have a God who's absolutely perfect, infinitely patient, and thus far, very long-suffering. But a judgment's coming. We're turning people away by the hardness of our hearts towards sin. Would you have ever thought that would be possible? Others save with fear, Jude goes on, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. If you're going to say that that is your approach towards Xmas and that defends what this brother did, I want you to note he didn't pull them from the fire. He didn't remove anybody from any danger. Maybe that was his intention. I'm not going to call the brother out. I love the brother dearly. But the result of it was not that anyone left Xmas. No one was pulled from the fire. You won't be able to pull someone out of the fire that you have kept your judgmental foot against. Someone that has seen that you care for their soul, though, they're likely in the midst of their worst troubles to grab a hold of your outstretched hand. Is your hand outstretched? Is your hand outstretched to those in the fire? You're burning. Your house is on fire. A storm approacheth. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The heathen holidays are wrong. There is nothing in Scripture that commands that we have anything to do with them. Trust, beloved, that the truth will bring conviction. It did for me. It likely did for you. Give them the truth and trust. It will bring, Think about the woman at the well there in Samaria. The Lord meets her in the heat of the day 
He he requests water from her. By her hand, her filthy uh, mixed hand. Remember, that's how the Jews would have considered Samaritans. And when he explains to her who he is, truth brought conviction. She forgot what she came for. She left the water pots behind. She ran into the town and said, Come see this man who knew all about me. And man, he beat me up. He held me down. He told me I was off. He went and killed all of my husbands to straighten out my divorce mess. Boy, he really straightened me out. She didn't say that, did she? That's Jesus, our model. She didn't say he straightened me out. She said he knew everything. In John 3, he didn't straighten out Nicodemus. He shined a light on things. What are we called to do? I do not believe there is a place for me to beat you up over one issue or another. You may disagree on that. You may want a pastor who's going to just annihilate a woman who doesn't put on a covering. You don't have them. There was a time when I was young and naive and I was right about everything. If you're listening, I rolled my eyes. But I probably had that approach. The season that we're coming out of has changed me a little bit. As your pastor, I'm commanded to present the truth as it is in God's Word. And trust, hear this now, and trust that you have examined yourselves and responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit as you should. If I've done my diligence in laying out the truth of God's Word and supporting it with God's Word, I have to trust that there's some self-examination on the other end and that you are following and responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is the one question I asked when you extended a call? If the Holy Spirit leads us to do anything, are we following? It's the only question a pastor needs answered. It is a question that has caused me to leave pastorates before. If God's people aren't willing to follow Him, what are we doing? Be warned, God is long-suffering, but where He leads, we must follow. I would not tell my children to walk down the road with someone they know to be a bully. You probably wouldn't either. Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Matthew 10, verse 16. Please do not make this place, our church, our community here in Tulsa, so religious that we no longer accept sinners. You want some examples? It's not just the New Testament. Read through this word. This is what man does. He makes things so religious that sinners are no longer welcome. Those the Lord was healing, most of them had already been turned away by the religious. What are we doing? This is the question I asked in Florida. What are we doing? Psalm 26 is one that we all ought to know real well. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. 
I will wash mine hands in innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregation will I bless the Lord. Beloved, be sure that your feet stand in an even place. Be sure that you understand the scriptures. Your misunderstanding of the scripture doesn't necessarily come from mean Facebook preachers or even this one. It comes from a lack of self-examination of your life against God's word. When we walked away from the heathen holidays, it was conviction we both came to in studying the scripture. When she put on a head covering, it was conviction we both came to in the studying of scriptures. When Delaney decided she's going to wear skirts and not pants, it was conviction she came to from studying the scriptures. I don't go to other pastors' homes and beat them up when they're wearing pants or when they're not wearing a head covering. If you see the lineup from the meeting we just met or met at in Sefner, you understand Tate's not one of those either. Nate and Troy disagree on things. Nate and I disagree on things. Tate and Nate and so on and so on and so on. But if we don't start modeling the compassion that has been shown toward us, we have made this place too religious for sinners to approach. Too perfect for the broken to enter in. One last one, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is Paul writing to a church that we've said before, many today might not even consider a church, might be unchurched in the eyes of some Baptists. But they're in our Bible, and it tells us there they are one. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. It's interesting how he words that. He doesn't say examine yourselves and make sure those other guys are in the right spot, in the faith. Isaac, examine yourself and make sure that Charlie lines up with you. That's not what it says. Examine yourself, whether you are in the faith. Prove your own selves. Then it doesn't say there, prove it to your neighbor. It doesn't say, Isaac, prove that you're right and then prove it to Charlie. It says, prove that you are walking in the light. Prove it to yourself with scriptures. Know ye not your own selves? Boy, if we just stop there, wouldn't that be deafening? Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. The same thing Simon Peter says when he says, Give all diligence to see that your calling and election are sure. Know ye not your own selves? Beloved, we have to trust in truth and conviction. We have to trust that the Lord didn't stop leading people when he led us to the truth. None of us in here, no Baptist ever, was born right. Truth and conviction. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would soften our hearts, that we be mindful of our approach, that we be cautious and careful with how we communicate the truths of your scripture, 
that we not use it as a cloak for maliciousness, that we not take advantage of the liberty that you have given us, that we, of course, be unashamed of you, unashamed of the truth, unashamed of this Bible, unashamed of the things that you have taught us, but not so confident, not so arrogant that we have forgotten the chastening that got us here. Help us, Father, to communicate to the world just how desperately we need you long before we get to the subject of how desperately they do. Help us to be mindful that even a like or a share or an amen comment on social media in 2023 can and will dissuade young or new believers or even lost folks that are just trying desperately to find the truth in a world that is very quickly closing in around them. Father, help us to see these lost neighbors of ours as those with their heads already in the noose. And if we go tugging on their feet, tugging at what put them there to begin with, we are only hastening their destruction. Help us, Father. Examine us, Lord, and show us what has been revealed, that we might repent and grow closer to Thee. We ask, Father, that You would hear the prayer request that we've made mention of this day, that You be with our missing members, those that are sick and those that are just traveling, Father. That You be with this community and the visitors that we've had in the past. That You be with a mission up in Holden, Father, and the meeting that we hope to have in a couple weeks, you know, if it be Your will. Be with the folks in Caldwell, Lord. Send these, these two a man. Send them their pastor. Send them a man that will lead in the community. That will walk softly and carry this great book. That will stand firm and confident on the truths of your scripture. That will not beat our people up. will not beat up their community. But will stand firm. Help us also to do the same. Be with our afternoon service, our business meeting, Lord, that they would honor and glorify you. And Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen.